0: Well, it's so good to see so many of you here this morning. I'm grateful to God that we have that opportunity to be back together, as well as those watching online. I know we have a lot of people who are at home still, and you're still part of this worship service. We're grateful that you're watching online. Heard that we got a lot of people at the beach, and some of them are watching online today. So try not to be envious, but I'm glad you're tuning in today as well. We've been in a series called Perspective. And the idea behind the whole series is when you see things differently, then it allows you to live differently. So today, what I want to talk about in regard to perspective is this. Today, I want to talk about how you see others, especially those who are different from you. You see, we all have two circles. We all have two circles. Those that are easy to love and those that are hard to love. That uh, may be an oversimplification, but if you think about your life, you probably can bullet down, the people in your life, people you associate with, to, to those two circles. Those who are easy to love are probably those people who see things the way you do. Those who are easy to love, you enjoy being around them, you have things in common, you have similar interests. Uh, this is probably your circle of friends, your circle of family. Well, most of your family, some of the family may be over there, but... But by and large, we all have that circle of people that we just kind of like, we relate to, we get along with, they're easy to love. And then there are those who are hard to love. They don't see things the way you do. You don't have a lot in common. In fact, you may disagree about a lot of things. And when you're around these people, it tends to raise your blood pressure. When you're around these people, you hear them talk, it, it tends to get you agitated and irritated and uh, this is the circle of people you don't understand. You don't understand why they do what they do, why they say what they say. This is the circle of people you don't agree with. And this is the circle of people sometimes you would say, i to be honest with you, I hate some of the people in that circle. And you could justify your feelings prob- probably. We all have two circles. We have the circle of those that are easy to love, and then we have the circle of those that are hard to love. Maybe the circle of those we refuse to love. And then along comes Jesus and messes up our circles. Let me show you what I'm talking about. Take your Bibles to Matthew chapter 5. This is not going to be our central text, but it's kind of an introduction to our text. Matthew chapter 5. This is part of the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus is speaking in the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew chapter 5, beginning in verse 43. You have heard that it was said, Love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Now, just look up here. Jesus said, uh, you've heard people say, love your neighbor, hate your enemy. That's just common knowledge. You, You know that. You've heard people say that, Jesus would say. But look what he says in the next verse. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. I look up here at the two circles again. Jesus said, this is what you've heard people say. This is how you've seen people live. And maybe you're one of those people. Love your neighbor. Hate your enemy. Love those that are easy to love. Hate those that are hard to love. Jesus said, but let me say something about that. Love your enemies. Love those who are hard to love. Love your enemies and pray for them. Let's keep reading. Pray for those who persecute you. Verse 45, that you may be Sons of your Father in heaven. He causes his Son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. Look up here. Jesus said, your heavenly Father, if you think about it, your heavenly Father sends rain on both groups. Your heavenly Father blesses both groups. And he wants you to do the same. So look at verse 46. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? Verse 47, if you greet only your brothers, what are you doing more than others? Do not even the pagans do that? Jesus said, come on, look up here. Jesus said, come on, even pagans do this. Even the pagans love the people that are easy to love, and they don't love the people that are hard to love. Even the pagans do this. In other words, what Jesus was saying, you don't even have to be a Christian to love this way. Even the pagans do that. You don't even have to be a a follower of Christ to love the people in this circle. You see, it's that second circle where our faith becomes evident. It's that second circle where we really begin to live out our faith. And one of the reasons that people who are in that second circle are hard to love is simply because they're so different from you. They don't act like you do. They don't talk like you do. They don't have the same values as you. You see, see, see things very, very differently. And this is where perspective comes in. This is where we need perspective, and we need a lot of grace. Have you seen the cartoon of two men looking at a number painted on the floor? It's an interesting cartoon. Uh, One man is looking at the number painted on the floor, and he says very adamantly, that's a nine. And the other guy is looking at the same number, and he says just as adamantly, no, that's a six. Now, which one is right? Which one is right? It's perspective, isn't it? You can look all day and say, it's a nine, it's a nine, and I don't understand why you don't understand that's a nine. And the guy on the other side said, no, this is a six, and you're, you're I can't say what you are because we're in church, but that's a six. That's why we need perspective. Ladies and gentlemen, there is so much tension in our world today where people are looking at the same things and seeing it differently. Racial tension over the horrific death of George Floyd. Tension over the awful rioting and looting and destruction of property. Tension over politics and the upcoming election. Tension over people's responses responses to COVID-19. In fact, I bet, I'm not going to ask you, you don't have to say amen or honk your horn. You you don't have to raise your hand. But I bet some of you, when you came in the sanctuary today, you got Tense. You got tense because it's roped off or the people were wearing masks or people were not wearing masks. And you just kind of tensed up because of all of that. And that's the world that we live in. And in this broken, divided world we're living in, Jesus said, Love the people who are in your second circle. Jesus said, Love even your enemies. Now, what would that even look like? Well, Jesus once told a story about this very thing. And I just want to say, I'm just continually amazed at how relevant the Bible is. Luke chapter 10 is our text today. Luke chapter 10, verse 25 is where we'll begin. Luke chapter 10, verse 25. John, would you mind handing me that water, please? Thank you. Excuse me. Luke chapter 10, verse 25. Let's just start reading. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Now, notice that it says in verse 25, he's an expert in the law. Now, this is not an expert in judicial law. This is an expert in rather the law of God. The message translation says he was a religious scholar. Uh, The Living Bible says he was an expert on Moses' law. Here's a man who's devoted his life to understanding the Mosaic law, studying, teaching the law of Moses. So he asked a question that was often debated by the Jews. And it was a good question, but it was asked with a bad motive. If you look at verse 25, it simply says that he asked the question so that he could test Jesus. Verse 26, Jesus responds, what is written in the law? He replied, how do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, With all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. And then this religious scholar asked the big question in verse 29. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, And who is my neighbor? That's really the big question. That's kind of the heart of everything regarding what the conversation they were having, he said, okay, let's stop right there. Let me ask you the big question. So who is my neighbor? And in response to that question, Jesus told the story that we call the parable of the Good Samaritan. There are four main characters in this story. Look in verse 30 as we begin this parable. We see the first character of the story in verse 30. In reply, Jesus said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he fell into the hands of robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. The first character in this story is simply called a man, a nameless man, on his way down from Jerusalem to Jericho. Now, I've been on that road many, many times, and the road from Jerusalem down to Jericho is a road that is about 16 miles long. Of course, back in that day, the road would have been more of a path than anything But it's an interesting trip from Jerusalem down to Jericho because Jerusalem is about 2,474 feet above sea level. Jericho is 864 feet below sea level. So you're traveling over 3,300 feet down in elevation. Jericho is not only the oldest city in the world, it is also the lowest city in the world. So let me just show you a picture of what this kind of road was like. Uh, these are the Hopkins, some of our friends from our church, and they were on our last trip, and the reason I was showing you this picture is because I want you to see, well, I want you to see that good shirt he had on, but I want you to, I want you to see this mountainous area. This literally is right off the road from Jerusalem down to Jericho. So this is the area that we're talking about, traveling, imagine a footpath winding through these mountains, 3,300 feet going down, 3,300 feet from Jerusalem to Jericho, and you can get the... The picture in your mind of how easy it would be for robbers to hang out in any of those places and attack someone as they pass by. So that's the first man. This road was called the way of blood, by the way. The way of blood because it was so often that people were attacked and and blood was shed on that road. Now, the second person in this parable is simply called the priest. Verse 31, a priest happened to be going down... The same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. Now, a priest was a man who offered sacrifices in the temple on behalf of the people. He was probably a good man. But for whatever reason, when he saw this person in need, he passed by on the other side. I don't know if he was too busy. I don't know if he didn't want to get involved. Maybe he he was tired from serving at the temple all week, and he just wanted to get home. I don't know. But the man you expected to do something didn't. And then we, hear, we see the third person in this story, verse 32, simply called the Levite. So too a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. The Levite was an assistant in the temple. He too was probably a good man. But he did the same thing the priest did, which was nothing. He went by and passed on the other side. Maybe he was already planning on being somewhere, he had an appointment, maybe he was too focused on something else, we don't know. Uh, But he did the exact same thing that the priest did, which was nothing. He saw the need and he went on around. And then the the fourth person in the story is simply called the Samaritan. Verse 33. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine, and then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn and took care of him. The next day, he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for the extra expense you may have. Now, I'm convinced that we really cannot understand the full, um, just the full shock of this story when the people first heard it. You see, around 700 years before Jesus, get this, around 700 years before Jesus, that's when the Samaritans came into existence. What happened, it was in the days of the Old Testament, and when, during the exile, those, some of the Jews that were left in Israel, what we would call Israel, some of those Jews intermarried with Gentiles. They became half-breeds, is what the, the Jews called them. And when the Jews came back from exile and discovered that some of these Jews that were left in the homeland didn't preserve the pure blood of Judaism, but instead married the Gentiles. And not only did they marry other Gentiles, but they worshipped the Gentiles' gods as well. They would worship Jehovah God, but they also worshipped the gods of the Gentiles. And so when these Jews came back out of exile and they came home and they found out what these other Jews had done, they called them Samaritans, half-breeds. And they absolutely hated them. There was such intense hatred between the Jews and the Samaritans that when Jesus came on the scene 700 years later, the hatred was still there. And that's what gave this story its shock value. The person least likely in the story to do the right thing was the hero. You see, the Samaritan loved someone who hated him. The Samaritan loved someone in his second circle. He didn't see a Jew, he saw someone who was hurting. So he interrupted his schedule, he spent his own money, and he did what others were not doing but should have done. Then Jesus gives us the application to the story in verse 36 and 37. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, and wait, wait before you read this, he didn't say the Samaritan. He couldn't bring himself to say the Samaritan. So he said it this way. The one who had mercy on him. Couldn't even say the word Samaritan. The one who had mercy on him. He was the one who did the right thing. And then Jesus said in verse 37. Go and do likewise. Go show compassion to the, to the one others ignore. Go help someone you would normally hate. Go do for others what you've neglected to do so far. Go and do likewise. It's not enough to tell people what the Bible says about love. You're the expert in the law. Jesus is speaking to this man. He said, you're the expert in the law. But it's not enough to tell people what the Bible says about love. You need to go live it out. So go and do likewise. Which brings me to the first point of application. If you're taking notes today, here's your first point. There's going to be two. Here's the first point. The first point is this. It's the demonstration. Where are we? Can you go back? No, I'm sorry. My bad. It's the demonstration of love that changes lives, not the conversation of love. Write that down. It's the demonstration of love that changes lives, not the conversation of love. I, I, I messed her up because I just realized I skipped over something. So I'm just going to skip over and keep going. Hey, let me tell you something. Everybody look up here at your pastor for a moment. Over Those watching online, I want you to hear this. In these days of tension, and tension about a lot of different things, in these days of tension, we need to be reminded that we're called to love those who are hard to love. See, we think of love as a feeling, but in the Bible, love is a choice. Love is an action. Jesus didn't say, go and think likewise. Jesus said, go and do likewise. You see, in the Bible, love is more of an action. It's more, it's more of, of a step that you take. It's a choice that you make. Go and do likewise. We're called to love those who are not like us. We're called to love people that we even disagree with. And not just to talk about it, but to live it out. Now, before you write that off as impractical, before you sit there and say, Keith Shorter, you don't understand. Before you give me all of that stuff that, that's going on in your mind right now, I want to ask you just to read a scripture with me. First John chapter 4. Over to the right, First John chapter 4. First John chapter 4, verse 7. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. And whoever does not love does not know God. Because God is what, church? This is how God showed His love among us. He sent His one and only Son into the world that He might live through Him. Notice what it says in verse 9. This is how God has showed His love. This is how God, look up here, this is how God has demonstrated His love. Because love has to be demonstrated. It's not just the feeling. So pick up the, the text again. 1 John chapter 4. Look at verse 9. Here's what he says. This is how God has showed His love among us. He has sent His one and only Son into the world that we might live through Him. This is love, not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Now, don't miss what verse 7 teaches. Verse 7 Look what it says. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Do you you understand love is not self-generated? True love is not self-generated. Love comes from God. Our love for others grows out of God's love for us. Our love ultimately comes from the God who is love. You say... Keith, I'm trying to get my mind around this because I've got two circles for sure. Those that are easy to love and those that are hard to love. I want to tell you something about those who are hard to love. Those who are hard to love, is, it's really hard. Those who are hard to love, I don't see me ever loving them. Those who are hard to love, I I don't know if I can love that person. I don't know if I can love that group. And quite frankly, I don't know if I want to. And I would say, you know, You're probably right. You're probably right. You probably can't love them. You probably won't love them. But is it possible that God could love them through you? That's the question. Is it possible that God could love them through you? Love, the Bible says comes from God. Have you ever read that list in Galatians 5 about the fruit of the Spirit? You could probably quote it, a lot of you could. Have have you ever noticed what the very first fruit of the Spirit is? Look up here on the screen. But the fruit of the Spirit is love. Love, joy, peace, and all those other things. But the very first one, now it doesn't say the fruit of you. It says the fruit of the Spirit within you. It is God within you causing this to happen. It is God within you through His Holy Spirit bringing this about. It is not the fruit of your efforts. It is not the fruit of your determination. It is the fruit of the Spirit of God living in you. And if God is a God of love, the fruit of the Spirit is going to be love. Let me tell you a story. Let's pretend that you go out to eat and... Uh, when when you go into this restaurant, you sit down and and the waiter comes to help you, and he gets your order wrong, and then he spills water on you, then he forgets to bring the bread that you ordered, and then when you get through that whole mess, you realize he's messed up the bill. It's, it's, just nothing is going right tonight, and and you may think to yourself, you know what, I may I just may need to talk to the manager about this, or when you're leaving, you would be right to say. This is such lousy service, I'm not coming back. I'm definitely not going to give him a tip. I, we would understand that because of all the negative stuff that happened that night. Now, let's use that exact same scenario. Except the one difference is, the waiter is a personal friend of yours. And this is his very first night. And you, some of your buddies go to kind of encourage him. And so he gets the order wrong, and you say, don't worry about that. Man, it's all, I, I, I like this. That's fine. I can eat this. He spills water on you, and everybody laughs about it. He said, man, that's okay. Don't worry about it. He forgets the bread, and you don't even mention it to him. He messes up the bill, and once it's all straightened out, you leave him a big tip. What's the difference? You treated him differently because your perspective was different. You treated him differently because he was your friend. You treated him differently because he was in your first circle. You see, your perspective of a person determines how you treat that person. How you view them will, re- will determine the way that you respond to them. And Jesus was saying, listen, you need to view him like everybody's in circle number one. And so that brings me to the second point of application. Here it is. Widen the circle. What if you widen the circle to include some of the people who are hard to love? What if, just, just come and think through it with me. Over in the Life or not in the Life Center, but at home, just think through this with me. What if you treated the people in circle number two like you treat the people in circle number one? Isn't that what Jesus meant when he said, go and do likewise? You see, sometimes we all find ourselves in the place of the lawyer, needing to learn again what it means to love your neighbor. Now, now I recognize in a crowd like this, or maybe those watching at home, I recognize that probably you would like to say to me, or maybe you'll email me or text me and say, "Keith, what about this, Keith? But but you don't understand that. And Keith, what should I do here? And and Keith, what about the way I was hurt? And and I understand. There's a hundred questions that have come to your mind. And quite frankly, I've wrestled with some of those questions myself this week. And I want to be real honest with you. I can't answer all those questions for you. I'm not your Lord. There's only one Lord of your life, and His name is Jesus. I would just encourage you to just start changing your perspective by widening the circle. Instead of saying, I could never love Him, change your perspective and say, but I know God wants me to love Him. Instead of saying, I will never love them, Say instead, you know what? God wants to love them through me. You'll have to make this a matter of prayer. You'll have to say, God, I don't want to do this. I need you to help me to do it. I need you to change my perspective. I want to widen the circle. And you may not be able to widen the circle and take everybody in autom- automatically the first day. You may just have to kind of inch your way into the circle and start saying, God, show me what it means to love like you love. So I would just say to us in closing, let John 3.18 be your guide. John 3.18 says, Dear children, let us not love with words or tongue, but with actions and in truth. Because it is the demonstration of love that changes life, not the conversation of love. So widen the circle. This week, widen the circle. Let me pray for you. Father, in the name that is above every name, we're grateful for your word and how relevant it is. Help us right now because there is some tension in our hearts. Maybe even anger because of the hurt that is so real. The memories that are still so vivid. The problems that are all over our country. May you, by the Holy Spirit, remind us, God is love. And may you love others through us as we surrender to you as our Lord and our Savior. And it's in the name of Jesus we pray.